Welcome to the Vons Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And we are in the same place, same country. Yes. It's a win. I'm back. <laughs> it was a great trip. It doesn't seem like that for you guys, but I was gone for three weeks. It feels really weird to be back. It feels like you just left. Thanks. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> Nick's yeah. out of Monterey. We will talk about that and more in another episode. But in this one, we're going to jump right in with our guest this week, Ezekiel Wheeler. But before we introduce him, we've got our, as usual, Carter Automotive Group tip of the week, inspired by some traveling I did. Okay, so I had many rental cars. I had two rental cars. I had one in France, one in Iceland, and I uh, put about 2,500 miles on one in France. Oh, yeah, and it's uh, $9 a gallon. You can add that up. I was very, very happy to have my little Peugeot 208 with uh, $9 four- a gallon. Uh, it was it depends where you go. It was more expensive in Italy when I went through there. Okay, and obviously in Monaco, I didn't fill up there. Iceland yeah. was over 10. Monaco was expensive. That's weird. shocking, right? Yeah, you know, shocking. no yeah. kidding. Yeah, anyway, uh, but one of the, the tip I wanted to bring in with this was. One I actually got from um, the rental service and especially the rental guy at the office in very happy flew into Toulouse, France, picked up my little car. It's a, it went through a rental brokerage company, not directly, which saved me a ton of money. Okay, Like Toro kind of thing? Or? No, it's a, it actually ended up being an Avis rent-a-car. But oh, okay. I went through a broker online, oh, and they find you the best deal, and they did a great job. So super happy with that. Sort but, of like the old school travel agents. Yeah, okay. kind of. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the guy at the rental desk said, hey, make sure, because I told him I was Ending up, I started in Toulouse, drove all over France, like all over the country, Italy, the Alps, everything. But he said, if you're going into Paris, he goes, they, they are notorious in Paris for being really, really picky on rental cars when you drive them all over the country because they get a lot of damage. He goes, when you take your photos of the rental car, which you should, everybody should know at this point, if you get a rental car, take photos of it before so that you don't get claimed extra damage. But he said, take it with the, uh, the rental company in the background. So when you look at your photos, nobody can say you did, took the photo of the damage after it happened. Oh. So when I walked around the car, he said, "Make just get like a few photos with the damage. If you have major damage, make sure the rental company is shown in the background. Okay. So we can oh, show you where you picked up. So car. when you picked the car yeah. Oh, yeah. and you look at the photos, they're like, oh, this was clearly here. We know exactly where this was when you took these photos and the time you took them. Yeah. Now, when I returned the car, no problem. Um, I did have to show her some damage that wasn't reported on there, but it was all in all my photos. She's like, okay, cool. I mean, it was like a five-minute ordeal. No big deal. <laughs> But it was it, it saved the conversation because she knew right away that when I took the photo, it was right in front of the rental agency, yeah. just like he suggested, which saved me a lot of headache because they would have had to look into it. But because I was like so upfront with the with my photo, she's like didn't even question anything on the car. She's like, "Yep, that works, no problem." Did the same thing in Iceland. They didn't give a crap. <laughs> All those cars get torn up up there. I can't wait to hear about Iceland. Yeah, that's, but anyway, that's on the tip of my list. Yeah, car automotive group tip of the week: make sure you take those photos of your rental car or any car you pick up that you're going to borrow. But, yeah, have the rental agency in the background. Saves you a lot of headache, gets rid of the questions, makes, lets people know you're honest ahead of time. Huh. So, Learn something new. Yeah, thanks, Avis guy in Toulouse, France. <laughs> thanks, Avis guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, our guest today is uh, Zeke Wheeler. Uh, he's the president of Auto Con- 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 Conduct. I was Conduct. so close to getting that right. Auto Connect. You should have just said <laughs> my name. I Down in Los Angeles, okay. California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it threw me off. Uh, welcome to the Avance Podcast. If you don't know, he's down in our new location down in, in uh, Avance, just uh, launched down in L.A., and we're going to try to work on getting some more guests from down there. So I think, is this one of our first ones, I think? Uh, well, had a couple. Had a yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we got more coming up. Well, the first one this week, and then we're only doing one this week. So he's number one this week. So we're going to go. go. Yeah. Good, so, yeah. good save. So I'll take it. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and uh, appreciate you guys coming down to L.A. been following you guys since day one, and I'll get into that later. But, uh, oh. yeah. Pretty cool to have you okay. guys here. And then, yeah, Stalker. a little bit. Uh, I had no. to. I had to. <laughs> no. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. 
There, there are worse things. Um, give us a little bit of background. Like I said, I've, I've, I've done the normal stuff as far as going through the LinkedIn and things like that and seeing, you know, something that really popped up was car domain uh, that Dan and I knew about. But give us a little bit of background on you. We always like to talk to our guests about, you know, were you always the car guy, you know, growing up? The, I, was, it's, I call it the Hot Wheels question. <laughs> like when you're growing up, did you have the 1,000 Hot Wheels running around your uh, house? No, I had 1,000 airplanes running around my house. I was a plane oh, no. guy for the okay. longest time, wanted to join the Air Force in the worst possible way. Uh, I want to be a pilot. I was going to be a fighter pilot. And you see these Coke bottles on my face? Yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my glasses in the Air Force Academy didn't quite get along. And uh, I was like, you know what? I guess I need to uh, reassess my career path. Um, my mission was to go to the Air Force Academy. And the guy was like, wait, what's your vision? I was like, eh, it's about this. He's like, yeah, dude, you ain't flying a plane. <laughs> so... I was like, damn it. They don't make yeah. prescription windshields. I was like, damn yeah. it. So uh, fell into car design, which is which was rad. Uh, did Art Center for a while until I couldn't afford it anymore, then dropped out. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a professional <laughs> college dropout, so that seems to be, like, the way it went. Um, <laughs> Woo! Yeah, That's man. three of us. Yeah. Did, did <laughs> Arizona yeah. State to get my gen ed, then did art center, and then did uh, tried to finish my degree and got screwed. So I was like, screw it. I'm just not meant to have a degree, so I'm out. So, uh, you know, racked up a nice bill and then decided to move on. Fell into journalism, which was a blast. Um, still kind of dabble in it from time to time. Then did PR for Jag Land Rover and Faraday, and now I ended up creating this thing after doing a stint at an ad agency, which handled the Acura account. Um, and while I was there, I was like, I've always wanted to throw my own car show. A new coffee shop opened up, which was Alana's Roasters in uh, Mar Vista, California. And he had a brand new lot off the street, off Venice Boulevard. And I was like, please be a car guy. Please be a car guy. Please be a car guy. <laughs> and sure enough, he was. And I asked him if I could throw a show. And I threw the first one there. And I was like, sweet. And that's what started Auto Conduct. We just did pop-up car shows throughout Los Angeles for about five years. Uh, and built it into a car culture community center that we have here in downtown L.A., which is pretty awesome. It's a one acre property. We have 30,000 square feet of interior space, a car dedicated car storage facility, which is its own 10,000 square foot facility, 15 lifts. We have our own dedicated parking lot, which is like 20,000 square feet. Um, so it's, you know, all fits nicely off the street, off of one of the major exits here in downtown. So you don't have to trudge through all the potholes to get here, uh, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And we throw our own pop-up meets, hosted events, private events, big photo shoots, video shoots, you name it, we can do it all. So it's, it's pretty cool. We're basically trying to create a, a car culture safe zone so we're not kicked out of parking lots coming up in the near future. That is a real concern with car shows, for sure. That's really cool. You said you, you used an interesting word that I haven't heard associated with a facility like yours before. You said a community yep. center. Yeah. Automotive community center. So what kind of events are you guys throwing down there? Like what makes you, what sets you guys apart? Because this is the new, like the car storage with the lifts. It's not right. really a new concept anymore. It used to, like five years ago, it was kind of like started to blow up and it's continued to do so. What's setting you guys apart? And community so center. We are expand. not a membership-based organization. So you don't have to be a private member oh, to okay. store here, number one. It does not come with the private membership when you do store here. Yes, our customers do get invitations to some of our private events that are thrown here by external companies that want to just say, hey, I want to unveil something for 100 people. 
I always work in, if you're storing a car here, you'll get an invitation. Uh, but any of the events cool. that we host, any kind of car you want to put in here, as long as it's working, uh, <laughs> we, we can find room <laughs> for you. And because my business partners own the property, we're able to offer more affordable uh, car storage in downtown. And we are month-to-month based, so it's not long-term contracts. It's not you have to be here for six months minimum at a locked-in rate. Uh, we're fully insured, so we can cover certain cars up to a certain degree, and then your insurance takes over from there. But I've got guys from Ferraris to Honda Civics that are all stored here. So we want to make sure that the culture actually knows that there are spaces for them and they don't feel like they have to meet a certain criteria in order to walk through the door. We're so much the opposite. I've got muscle cars. I've got lowriders. I've got exotics. I've got domestics, new, old, and all in between. So we just want to make sure that these places exist in the future for them. I think that's such an interesting concept because you you, you don't see them all together that much as far as car shows go. You see your lowrider shows, your muscle shows, and we all know the concept of the private, you know, the garages in, right. in the United States and, and, and trying to get apply for membership and things like that, which has its mm-hmm. own benefits. I get, we get that and things yeah. like that. But, so talk to me a little bit about a pop-up car show. Dan and I definitely come from a background. We helped run a, a Exotics at Town mm-hmm. Center here at Pacific Northwest for a long time, but we were in the same spot. But it sounds like you were kind of – Finding a place where were you consistently having your, your car shows and do you continue to have your car shows in the same place? We have them once a month and we move them every month. So coming from a journalist background, I okay. took the concept. I always wanted to run my own magazine, but let's face it. Print is expensive. It's resource intensive. Journalists aren't cheap. Photographers aren't cheap. And at the time that I wanted to do it, they're like, oh, this is all dying. Nobody wants it. And now it's kind of had its own resurgence, which is great. But at the time I was doing it, yeah. we were going <laughs> to shake some money at it. So we said, okay, we know how to pull the right cars. We know how to find the right locations and set a backdrop because we had PR experience. We had ad experience. We had journalism experience. And then Instagram was like, where's the coolest spots we can go to get a unique photo? These kids aren't really going to organize their own meets um, to, to get a photo shoot done. So if we can pull the right cars and the right theme – that had the highest probability of having the most diversity, then we would pull that together and pop it off. So for example, one show we did was at the uh, Automobile Driving Museum here in El Segundo. But instead of just doing a hot rod or a JDM or whatever, we decided to do uh, a theme based on paint and livery. So it didn't matter what genre it came from, if it was racing, if it was hot rod, if it was matte, if it was candy, if it was JDM, if it was rare, whatever, you could bring it out and show us. And we saw everything from Candy Flake to Lowrider, all of it. And the five cars, that's what we stuck to. We tried to stick to five cars minimum that were the hook and basically became the feature vehicles that people wanted to come see or wanted to get close or have an interaction with. Because when you go to these large cars and coffees, you couldn't really interact with the owner because they would go off and grab a coffee. There were thousands of people around, hundreds of cars. Were you going to wait a half an hour and an hour to talk to the owner? It was really difficult. So we con- com- condensed that and distilled that concept into these mobile, more frequent things like you would pick up a magazine. Instead, we threw a car show every month at new locations, day or night. And then if we used the same location, we had to make sure it was at a different time of day. Because then the vibe was completely different. So if we'd already done a morning event, we would do a night event. 
If we'd already done a Sunday event, we would do a Thursday event, but with food or something else, just to offer another level or a layer of, of an experience for people to say, oh, that was interesting or different, or it had a different view, or the, the, the lighting was, it was taken into consideration. So we always try to like look at it just a little bit different every time. It's such an artistic approach. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing, you know, uh, coming from the background of just going, yep, we're having a car show. Everybody is welcome. Everybody stays in their groups, uh, you know, know, but, and nobody talks to each other, which is like a high school (laughs) dance, you know, everybody's on one side of the thing, which is great. Everybody knows each other. But I mean, Dan and I have always been the guys that are like, I'm going over there. I'm going to go talk to them. And I want to know, I think that's such an interesting idea. This, the sub part, the sub sub part, the sub idea of, Having a, a a paint or livery show—that's just such. Yeah. You get everything. Like you get patina. You get, like you said, and especially in Southern California. I mean, you brought these up several times, but it's something that I I absolutely love is the lowrider community. Oh yeah. yeah. I think they are some of the most intricate, cool cars, and I mean, and the fact that they can jump off the yeah. ground is pretty cool too. I, I just I've want seventies barbarians right on vans. Oh, yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah, they're a blast. Yeah. Okay. It's a lowrider mini truck with a fully dancing bed and everything, and you're, see. You're, but we have That's that cool next to two completely stock EG Civics. So, you know, we'll take it all. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still with Dan. I want to see, I want to see like Thor on the side of a van, a brown van, probably. Yeah. With lightning. 70s with van. Lightning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing. Uh, I miss about California car culture down there is you have so much variety and so so much out there. We get a lot of nice cars, Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but it rains a lot. So we don't get the same. Open right. variety, I guess, tends to be. Yeah, I don't know how to. Des- I don't know how to describe it. It's not as diverse of a variety here. Tech money tends to buy the same things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Somebody sitting there just Porsche, 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 Porsche. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. What are you driving anyway? Oh, let's see. I have my daily is a, a 2018 Alpha Julia uh, Q2 Lusso, which I love. I absolutely nice. love that cool. car. Whoever spec'd it out before me, I did not buy it new. Um, but whoever specced it out before me, that's the way to buy an alpha. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. They so. checked all the boxes. They did the Luso. They did the sport package. Sure. They did the, the nav, the pano roof, the loot, the wheels, the exhaust. They did the whole thing. And I was like, cool. You saved me about 40 grand. So, uh, yep. <laughs> that's my, somebody else yeah, took the haircut. Yeah. I have a 2000 Honda civic hatchback. That's all stock. Um, that I picked up. I've always wanted wow. one and, and, Eventually wanted to turn it into a project, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then I have a 72 MGB GT that I, rest- that I restore would be a generous word. I tore apart and, and decided to learn off of my first classic. And uh, that one was a lot of fun because I stripped it all down in the whole of my apartment complex in Venice. And <clears throat> my neighbors got in on the action with throwing me power cords and stuff over so I could like work on my car. And, <laughs> It was, That's in, awesome. it was at SEMA 2018 <laughs> in the Toyo Tread Pass, and everybody was convinced it was a Datsun 240. And I was like, sure, don't care. It's here. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, why not? Why not? <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun. We took it down to bare metal. We cleared the bare metal. I had 3D printed gauges. We messed with the engine a little bit. We, we, we basically tried to reuse, repurpose, or revitalize anything we could. Um, as opposed to just tossing money at a SEMA project, which is, I didn't have. So I was just trying to use a little more ingenuity, but it, and it's, it was a lot of fun. We had tons of fun and I, I still tool around with it. It's scary as shit now, but, <laughs> um, but it's fun. 
Did, did you start with knowing that you wanted it to be a SEMA project no. or did it just something where you got noticed no, for your I work? I credit my wife for letting me keep it uh, because we had gotten to the point we had just <laughs> had our first uh, baby and oh, my lights are going out. Can you put the lights on, Brandon? Uh, <laughs> my office has time. <laughs> but no, we, we oh, had, yeah. Oh, yeah, had yeah. Uh, uh, our first child and I was like, look, I, I got to get rid of the classic. I just don't have time for it. I had my three years with it. It's been a blast, but let's just move on. Three guys came, never didn't buy it. My wife was like, just keep it and turn it into a project. Like, I think with all your connections, you could figure it out. I was like, okay. So the next week I had my friends come over and we tore the car apart and I hit up all my sponsors and connections I made through my journalist years and was like, you guys want to help me with something? They're like, yeah, we're in whatever you need. So I was like, sick. Uh, of course I had to do all the labor, but I got a lot of parts. <laughs> so I learned a lot. It was, it's one of those cars where, if you overthink it or over-engineer it, the car just totally flips you off. Um, but <laughs> the dumber you are, you have to treat it like a tractor. Like, this thing brokey, need fixie. Like, fixie. <laughs> That's how it works. So, yeah. Yeah, I got a 59 Triumph. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about, actually. <laughs> with a tra- with a tractor oh, yeah. motor in yeah. it. So People yeah. are like, so, yeah. I- I've yeah, had a couple I get people that. driving, and they're like, this is a gated shifter? I'm like, No. It's it, it's an old tractor. No. Like it just goes click because it has nowhere else to go. It's got yeah. synchro in first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. gated. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I'm going to start telling people that yeah, I got a gated go. shifter. Sort of. The yeah, synchros exactly. are really bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, uh, what was your. Uh, what was your? You said you were a plane guy growing up, which a lot of us who were into cars also like planes, but how did you uh, really move from there to the love of cars. I mean, you talked about not getting into the Air Force and all that and then going into art school. But, uh, like, where did the love of the, that passion oh, for cars mom. come from? My mom. Your mom. Okay, that's not, a, that's not an answer mom. we hear often. That's she awesome. She was a lowrider girl in Arizona. She grew around on cruising nights down uh, central in Arizona. And she'd hop in the lowriders, hop in the muscle cars, dated a guy with a fully caged, welded door Cuda. Uh, my dad... My dad had, like, at the time, a C10 pickup truck with, like, 18-inch or 17-inch wheels at the time, which were, like, the hottest shit. We were massive. Those are huge. Yeah. 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 Um, And that was, like, 1978, 79, something like that. And, uh, oh. Okay, those were massive in 79. My dad dad was like, that was my first loan. (laughs) It's like, I went to the bank. Got a loan (laughs) for wheels and put it on my pickup truck. I'm still looking for pictures of that truck. But, uh, yeah, my mom found out that I was getting into, like, she kind of noticed through high school, the early stages of high school, I was getting into exotics and, like, Porsches and Lambos and this and that. And she was like, mm, I'm going to learn you something. And the Del Mar, we had lived in San Diego at the time, and so the Del Mar Good Guy show came in. She thought, we're going to go to the show. I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. I don't know. I'm, I'm down. Yeah. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. I was just like, what is this paint? What are these cars? I need to learn. It was the first time I've ever heard Chip Boost in my life or Boyd Coddington. And I was just like, I'm so flabbergasted. And I was like 14 and interacted with the 69 Camaro that was forest green with a vinyl top, grumbling with the 396. And I was like, I need to be in this somehow. Like, I don't know how, but this is captivating to me that something so old can be so desirable. And that, that was the, that, that set me off on the trail of, being broke for the rest of my life so yeah yeah 
We can, we understand that. You could have been a lot more broke if you Pretty got much, into airplanes. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm with you of the airplanes. Like, I mean, I always had a love for planes and I mean, if, if Tom Cruise's Mustang fell out of the sky <laughs> and, and happened to land next to me, I, I would yep, kick yep. it out of bed. Right. So yeah, no yeah. kidding. So, I well, mean, and there's a lot of correlation between that. Obviously there's, right. you know, a lot of hangers around the world. You know, they they hold the cars, they hold the they hold the planes. Yeah, and things I was like convinced that. So, I was born yeah. in the wrong I was era. Small airports born during like World War Two, nineteen fifties, and like flying those planes, coming home and dicking around with hot rods, like you know. But hey, I yeah. think I'm in a pretty good era. We get to play with everything. So that's that, that's that's how that whole hot rodding yeah. thing started, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny. Small town airports hold a lot of nice cars. Yes, yes. yes exotics too. It's funny because you know, growing up in Arlington, Washington. There's this, there's Arlington Airport, and there are a lot of really, really expensive cars hiding in that mm-hmm. airport, and mm-hmm. planes for that matter. Paul Allen used to hold a lot of his jets up there and his cars. I had, I worked uh, the private side of the airport in Spokane for many years, and there was a guy that had a hangar, and he had nothing but like high wing Cessna uh-huh. 172s. And I said, Do you love these planes? And he goes, No. High wings means I can park cars under them. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> you only okay, a lot of sense. pilots yeah. who are very, very practical and dry. And it's the best thing on the planet yeah. because there's no bullshit. <laughs> and it's awesome. And they take care of their yeah. shit. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The nice thing about getting into cars now, though, classic cars now, is the, the technology is moving so fast to the classics. We're seeing more. And I don't just mean resto mod. I mean, like... Um, replacement and upgrade like when you buy new suspension parts for an old car they're oh, light yeah. years ahead of the old stuff yeah. the tires are better the the brakes even even if you don't do a full resto mod you end up with a better car just maintaining it because right. all of the Great. rubber bushings work better all of the steel is better yeah. so, I, I always tell people yeah, when they're it's, working uh, on cars and they're like well what's the best part i could buy for this car i was like anything i was like because you have to remember that <laughs> anything you're buying a part now that was the cutting edge technology of the highest supercar or the highest price car you could get of the era. And now that technology is available for $9.99. And I was like, so translate that plus the improvements because we can get things faster. You can almost buy anything and be satisfied with it. That's crazy to me. I mean, my number one down trickle down story in company was when I we was a young kid in the early nineties and you know the supercars were coming out with the red tail lights and clear backing and then APC came out and you could put those in your Civic oh, and you yeah. could put them in your and, I mean oh, yeah, you the, couldn't keep them on the shelf I mean but the, you know and the then I was going to say absolutely yeah. yeah the IS yeah. tail lights too so gotta yeah. have those Altezas yeah. that's funny yep. yeah Altezas tail lights that's right, right. Well, I would say like you know if if they made if they could have made a '69 Camaro handle like a stock 1998 Toyota Corolla. <laughs> they would have been the best handling oh, yeah. car ever 100%. made at that point. <laughs> Are you kidding? Right, right. Right. I was going to say, or if the, I was going to say the, the Aston Martin, or sorry, I was watching an interview and they were discussing the history of the Aston Martin and they were going mm-hmm. to the DB4, the DB5. And it was, oh, it was, it was Top Gear with Jeremy Clarkson. And they raced it against a four-cylinder Honda Accord that they bought used for like a oh, wow. like hundred bucks. And they blew its doors off <laughs> yeah. in every way. And they're like, <laughs> but they don't yeah. tell you about owning a classic. Never is cool. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's, uh, 
It's a fun game. You got to give the Aston it credit. Funny. It was running. So, I mean, there's <laughs> right. that, you know, for being British. So, I that's, will you got to give it that. I never understand why a Honda Accord or a Honda Civic need 300 horsepower. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. They were supposed to be economy to begin with, and now they're more expensive because they're hot rods. Yeah. And I'm like, but don't we want them more affordable? Like, it's okay. It's always that push and pull. But. Yep. Uh, the I was I was looking at the the new Civic Type R of all cars, not not to buy. I was just check, reading about it and stuff. I can't believe how freaking fast a Civic Type yeah. R is now. Yeah, yep. like it, uh, it's not slow mm-hmm. by any by anybody's standards. Yeah. It's a fast yeah, yeah. car, yeah, and it handles like great. Yep. Records. But there's something about yeah. like, yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but there's something about the the late '90s Hondas. I mean, and I'll call it the Fast and the Furious generation, where you could get something and you could you could still climb into the engine right. bay. You could work on it. You could go to AEM and, and get a controller. I mean, but now I feel like if I open the hood on a, a Civic Type R, I don't know if I'd want to touch it because it's just there's so many electronics and sensors. I mean, well, and it's extremely fine tuned. Yeah, like you don't actually really need to mod that car. So there, we've kind of, in a good way, gotten past that mm-hmm. need to mod phase where you really do like if you if you had a car that you wanted to make some decent power out of, it was a pretty pretty big endeavor to get some real power out of it, even right. even by '90s standards. And now it's like. No, nah, unless you want it to sound a little different, you don't actually really want to touch right. it. It runs great. Yeah. It, you know, it'll run at any altitude. It won't leave you stranded, and it's fast. Yeah, but the originality of it is. I mean, oh, no, I that you could take your yeah. Civic or any other car, yeah, your Neon, it. and you could make it yours. You know, you talk about, you know, the liveries and paints and things like that. I mean, now you drive down the street, yes, it's, it's hard to get a Civic Type R. Like, I mean, not yeah. that it was ever easy to get. Like, when, I remember what the Integra Type R is. Like, the white mm-hmm. with the red interiors yep. with all the spoon stuff. Like, you could not touch that. Now, you can go build one so of those. Not, you still can't touch them. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What is your dream car? What do you? What, what's that oh, one I'm that's out there for you? I like I like weird cars. Honestly, I'm a big dude who likes small cars, and I'm a young guy who likes old cars. Um, I would say the okay. twist car I like is the P1. Uh, I don't know what it is about McLaren and the P1 that just does it for me. Uh, old car. Yeah, that's a great car. Model J's. I, I love the big old post-war yeah, cars. Yeah, just something elegant. It's about a doozy. Yeah, I love the material play. I love the the craftsmanship. Um, and then on the opposite side, give me a a Barth Fiat 500, and I'm fine. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That, the the classics of the, the Duesenbergs and the Packards and stuff like and the coach work and the fact that you basically you bought a car and then you went to somebody yeah. and you told them what you wanted and the, and the, you know exclusivity in the woods and the the patterns and things like that because you were right. driven in those cars you know it's I mean yeah you look at some of those I mean and like and you know I've said it before you know it's a doozy yeah. like there's a reason for that it's you know, the classic stuff that takes a lot more you know and I'm we're finding I'm seeing that a lot of those cars the younger generation doesn't get it because they're looking at it going well. If I have wealth and I have a place to keep my cars and I put a Duesenberg in there, it's going to take right. up the place of four right. cars or three cars, <laughs> you know, and space wise. And so maybe that maybe that'll bring the price of some of those down and, and we can acquire some of them. <laughs> well, the, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to go through a dip and just come back again. Yeah, it'll always be like a Monet. Yep. It really yeah, will. Like they, there's a time and a place for those collectors and then they come back around again and, and well, they're just they're nowadays just more. It just takes it's one art. documentary and your price goes up 50 percent. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. What we need now is the people to go to school and work on them. That's the like the craftsmanships and things like that. And then, well, it'll just make them more valuable, though. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I need somebody. Yeah. No, so. I mean like the fact that there's not the, the fewer people there are to work on them, the more True. valuable they will True. become. Okay. 
So we need some more of it. Cyclical. So, yeah. No, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the Fiat Abart, the 500. Um, when I was driving around France, so I had a lengthy conversation with my girlfriend at the time about, like, what's the perfect car here? Because it's not what you think it is. In the U.S., we have massive roads right. and anything fits on them. And, yeah, you can pretty much drive a, a, a GT3 RS down the road anywhere, and it's fine. You have tons of room. It's easy to park. Even unless you're, unless you're like, parking in mm-hmm. downtown New York at 5 p.m., you're not going to have a trouble parking right. that car anywhere in the U.S., period. There, it's like... Okay, the maximum size car I would want to daily drive, like even an exotic, we're like, given the choice of anything on the road, I'm like, Golf R, yeah. RS3, that that's about it. And a Fiat Abarth 500, especially, it's like you don't have the room to open it up without massive speeding tickets. So I remember when they came here, everybody was parking them nose into the curb because you could. You didn't have to parallel park them. You could just yeah. go nose in. So, yeah. They're great cars. I mean, yeah. I, I had one, cars, and, you know, unless and you roll off the track. It. I met my wife in it, and uh, they're fun. She, we, our first date was really funny because I had it lowered and a little custom and stuff like that. <laughs> and I picked her up for our first date, and we're cruising around Santa Monica looking for parking to go to dinner. And I look over, and you can just see on her face, like if I don't park this fucking car soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this dude. Yeah. Dates over real quickly. Like, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Parking. <laughs> <laughs> and <it's> done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, we, a, a bar saves the day. Fast, but it was about to end fast. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she lets you keep the car, so she's got to be enrolled in the car the car she world is a little bit as well. Uh, have been, she has been adopted, and uh, I get photos every now and again. <laughs> Uh, like check this out, blah blah blah, and she's diving into a little bit more of what she likes, what she doesn't like. It's like we're on a bronco hunt, uh, or something that has a removable top. Uh, so I'm like, oh, okay, so we'll go down that rabbit hole and see see what come out. But I'm I'm so bad with cars. Like I I almost exchange cars every year because everyone's like, why don't you just keep something? Okay. And I'm like, it's a good thing. Too many things out there I want to experience. Like, Damn. I, I want to drive them all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My, my company's that. motto is literally drive all things. So it's like, we need to stick to that. I, I, I can't live this without, I mean, I know Avance is drive everything. So, yeah. Drive everything I was going to well, say. What a perfect match. This goes back to my original story of why I know about you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you so that. I was doing research on auto conduct, and I was like, ooh, drive everything would be a great tagline. This was six years ago. And I go- and I started looking on Instagram, and mm-hmm. I saw Avance in Seattle, drive everything. And you guys have done a few meets at the time. And I was like, do I try to leapfrog, or do I just see where they're going to take it? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to see where they're going to take it. I'm going to come up with something else. We did drive all things. I was like, whatever. And we just stuck with it. So it's it's funny. That we can do that. I just got mooned by my friend. So, <laughs> well, I have best I have, face forward. I have wonderful <laughs> ass cheeks on my glass now. So, <laughs> well, oh, that's be fun awesome. to clean. That what are exactly. friends for? Yeah. Um, I want to, not knowing that much about LA. I want I want to talk about a little bit about where you're you're sure. located in the Los Angeles Art District, and they call it the AC Arcade. Uh, we, correct? We call it Auto Conduct. People didn't latch on to the arcade, so we're leaving okay. that behind. So, <laughs> okay, sticking okay. to the classic. Okay. Fair enough. But tell us a little bit about this this district yeah. a little bit, and so that we you know how you created yeah, this so, culture there. Uh, the property came up through my partners who kind of like accumulated the land. And it was kind of sitting for a little bit and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. They had a lot of retail experience, a lot of like commercial experience for like uh, companies and things like that. 
and they were kind of over the insert three to five year tenant year model. And I was going to come in on as a consultant about how to do car integrate car culture because cars always draw nice crowds. Uh, they're loyal to consistent destinations uh, that offer different levels of things. And we're in the arts district. We're literally right off the 10 in Santa Fe Avenue, uh, which is the main thoroughfare where the new Sixth Street Bridge is like two blocks up from us. Um, and, you know, we, we haven't done donuts on it yet. So, uh, but uh, yeah, when we, yeah, this, this location is ideal because we're literally in the center part of LA, which allows us to have access to Orange County cars that want to come out. Uh, East LA cars that want to come out, uh, West Side or South Bay or San Gabriel Valleys from the north. So we get all these <laughs> pockets of people that have us as a driving destination, which is a lot of fun. And it gives us the opportunity to really kind of be flexible, learn about our space because it's a big property, and it, which is great to have, but it's also a great problem because. You got to fill it and you got to figure out how to make it experiential. I can put 115 cars on this property comfortably. When you have that kind of problem with a lot of buildings, two people per car, you're looking at two, 300 people, they could get lost. And it looks like nobody showed up. So we really have to learn to adapt and make it intimate and make it less of a like daunting, like, oh my God, there's more and there's more and there's more and there's more. Because we want people to feel like they're walking away with an experience and not necessarily like a hole in the wall. So it, it's it's an interesting mm. challenge to have. My team is great when it comes to like parking the cars. We learn something new every time when we do roll-ins. Uh, we learn something new when we have a new vendor come in and we want to move lifts around to kind of display cars a certain way or park cars in the lot or vendors. Working with vendors is daunting and, and crazy. Uh, the permitting process in Los Angeles can be a pain in the ass, but luckily the guys that work with us, they're all car guys. So they love it. Um, so it helps keep us, keep the events going. We've tried ticketed events, which is always fun uh, just to kind of add another level of value to the experience uh, where we can bring in more production. We can bring in more lighting. We can bring in more food vendors. We can bring in more uh, clothing or apparel vendors or brands like OEMs. I want to show off a new car or shops that are trying to showcase their newest vehicles or like what we did with the Vons, where you can come in for a tech session and learn how these cars are built or possibly order one or who knows what, but we're all about trying to integrate multiple facets of the community, whether it's educational, um, mechanical, uh, design oriented or artistic or just informational. Uh, so that way we can, get the local communities more involved. And I will say 75% of our attendees to our events are first timers to the car culture community. They're looking for new experiences that go beyond hip hop, that go beyond theater, that go beyond clothing, that go beyond these things. And cars seem to be that multifaceted tool that allows them to participate in genre participate in art, participate in music, participate in food, participate in hospitality. And we see what we're creating here as like an incubator so we can pick elements up and take it to different destinations across the country to integrate with those communities and give them the vitality 
of what their car club and culture needs in order to thread the needle and not necessarily be another cars and coffee. Cause let's face it. We're all going to get sick of coffee. We're all going to get kicked out of the, out of the, out of the parking lots. We're all going to get sick of just looking across <laughs> for two hours or waking up at five in the morning to go somewhere. We're eventually just going to want to know that there is a place I can go. I can drive there safely. I will make new friends or I will have a fun experience. And that's pretty much what we stand for. I, I really like the all-inclusivity yeah. side of things because I think, you know, I mean, we see it all, uh, the work we've done with exotics and, and the fact that they tend to exclude a lot of people. And that's just, you know, um, Dan and I have run a few rallies and the, the most success we've had is when we stop at a car wash and we let people mm-hmm. look at the cars and, and, and it's all kinds of cars, you know, and, and, and we get stuff from that. So I think that's very important. And I think we've also seen, as far as inclusivity, a huge rise in, in, in female race car drivers and, and, and mechanics and things like that, which is a really cool thing to see that they've always been there, but I think they're being right. recognized right. now, which yeah, is and we're, and we're not pandering. Yeah. There's no more pandering in the car community. It's like, no, you're here because you get it. Yeah. There's something about the car culture when you're, when you get it, everybody falls in, falls in love with the persona and the aura that you bring into it. You can be from any political background, any religious background, any type of uh, upbringing or ethnical background or sexuality, and you start talking cars, boom, shields are down, period. I don't give a shit about anything <laughs> yeah. else that's happening in your life. I will learn about you because of your car. I will respect you because we have mutual ground, and that mutual ground is the car. Yeah, I think the the shift we're seeing, the positive shift positive. we're seeing, it is a positive shift, is mm-hmm. that it's a normalizing thing. Yeah, it's 100%. a normalizing thing. It's not just an inclusive thing. It's normalizing that people of all backgrounds, of all types, like cars <laughs> in certain ways. Right. They may not like your car or not choose your car, but they would like cars in a certain way, and you guys have that common ground, and we've seen that grow mm-hmm. a lot. Like, like you're saying earlier, we've seen a lot more women in, included, especially we've had a, especially women lately. Of all groups, we've seen more women come in, and I think it's because they're no longer being put on this pedestal of, oh, it's a girl in the car world. She's it's like, just no, she's a just, person who she likes cars, cars like the rest of us. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's a person who likes cars, yeah. And I think right. that is what is welcoming because that whether you uh, – there was that – it was kind of controversial. We're talking to Verena Mai. Um, about that, how like when she got into drifting and it was like she had she had a really difficult time moving from the image of being a model and being t- taken seriously as a driver. And she's a great driver and she's really right. into cars and she's right. a great car person. And that, that's it. Like, but it was like she actually it was a, she was talking about how it was actually difficult at the time to make that transition right. and get people take her seriously. And now it's becoming less and less and less. We're seeing more and more yep. women in motorsports. It's been cool to see. I don't want to be that guy, but I have a hard time taking the Prius people in my community. I'll be honest. <laughs> we, we have a special category no. for them. So, yeah. I see. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, the P1's a hybrid. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's different. You know. But that's my point. You can yeah. make it look good. <laughs> yeah. It's a million bucks. Yeah, sure. A million. Jeez, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. not anymore. So, anyway. Oh, that's funny. Um, what do you see for the future for your uh, for auto conduct? Sounds like you're going yeah, across the country. Yeah, yeah. we see a lot of uh, future expansion outside of California, which will be great. Uh, we also see some opportunity overseas, um, whether it's exhibition or or one time annual events. Um, it's something that we're currently exploring uh, as a brand, as well as on the international circuit. Uh, as far as auto shows, uh, we're kind of playing with that idea of like, 
how do we, we seem to be this common thread uh, of integration for multiple industries, whether it's overland or tuning or new or even future EV. Uh, yeah. We have some things that we're going to test here over the next year, whether it's a food and charging station at our locations where we're, it's actually somewhere you want to go charge, cool. not a Walmart or the back of an outlet yes. center or <laughs> somewhere bizarre that they're like, look, we got chargers. And I'm just going to sit there and be like, there's nothing here I want. Um, so we're going to try to create yeah. something that is a destination first that will charge. Um, so we're messing with that concept as well. Okay. Um, and for the most part, it's just listening. We do a really, really good job of taking a pause, listening to the community and figuring out what they want next. And where the regulations are starting to crack down. California announced no more new uh, internal combustion sales in 2035. So how do we survive as a car culture community center that is actually probably a dedicated safe zone that works with the cities to say, hey, you can bring your ICE cars here during certain days of the week, free of charge or no tax or whatever that looks like. So it's like really paying attention to the regulations, really paying attention to how we integrate and keep the culture moving forward. Um, and so someone wants to buy these cars after us. So. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you see the car show stuff going for Monterey? Like, how do you feel about that? It's a, attendance has been fluctuating. Yeah. Even before COVID attendance right. has been fluctuating. How do you see the car scene changing down there? Well, they got, the rid of, they got rid of a ton of stuff this year because people didn't yeah. want the cars. Yeah. Carmel got rid of the yeah that one, the right. one show, which sucks. Right. Yeah, they got rid but, of a lot of shows, yeah. um, and or they made the move to different locations. Uh, we actually set up a booth at Exotics on Broadway this year, which was fantastic. That was so cool because it's more of our people. It's the the everyday person that just has love and desire and appreciation for the cars that maybe they'll be lucky enough to own, but damn it, they're here and they want to just share that love. And um, it was really cool to interact yeah. with that crowd, see all these exceptional vehicles. We brought out uh, a client vehicle that's a 1970 Nissan Skyline uh, GTR that just came from Japan. Um, it's a it's a real it's one. one, right? It's a real Hakuska uh, with the S20 motor and the whole bit. We got to drive it along the coast. I will say I was fortunate enough to drive along multiple famous roads up in Northern California. And I'll check that off my bucket list that my ears have been officially baptized. So um, it's, it was pretty rad. I mean, it's such a great experience as far as what Monterey needs to change. Uh, I might be a little controversial in this, but they need to stop acting like a quinceanera and start acting like a luxury freaking brand. Um, stop hiring local house bands to play your top 40 hits um, I'm not here for a wedding reception. I'm here for an experience. And if in your portfolio of celebrity advocates, you can't get them to show up to Monterey and perform or integrate as a celebrity act or hire somebody to like blow the doors off and bring Jay-Z or Beyonce to flex, what the fuck are we doing here? So <laughs> I want it to be a multicultural event because I'm Hispanic and I'm like, damn, I feel out of place. So I, I would love to see more flavor in Monterey because when the other cultures get involved, it just gets better. And the experience becomes more well-rounded. Um, I think if you're going to hone it in and say, these are the only things we're going to do, 
and we're only going to serve, serve champagne and shrimp. You're missing the boat, man. Salinas has excellent food trucks, chefs, fresh tacos, traditional foods. You go up and down the coast, you can get such good experiences and quality and flavor that aren't just Mr. Gastronomy guy with tweezers making shit for you. Um, and you're going to attract more people that are going to want to pay those tickets, that are going to want to drive up, that are going to want to hang with you and advocate for your brand into the future beyond electric. Um, and, and it's something and enjoy your heritage. And it's something that they need to take seriously or else it is going to become uh, an annual country club soiree. And, and it's unfortunate because the way I started, it was much more well-rounded uh, at Pebble. And then it became a little bit more tight and then they've expanded. And now it's like tight again. And I'm just like, come on guys, we're almost there. And I talked to a lot of people in the hip hop world. They're like, I've always wanted to go to that spot, but I just don't know what to do there. And I was like, well, they don't feel invited. And unless you offer the invitation and you're popping bottles on the 18th green and acting like you want to be there, it's always going to feel like something it's quite, it's not quite going to be. So. Nobody's excited for no. the old white guy show. That's that car yeah. show scene's dead. It's look, if you want someone to buy your million dollar yeah. Bugatti, they better be <laughs> damn ready to spend that money. But if you're not inviting them to the party, deuces, they're out. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> we understand that. I mean, I, I, I do a, we both do a bunch of work for Concorso mm-hmm. Italiano, and we brought in a bunch of local food trucks, they and they do, do very well. Yeah. People really like it, especially the people that are from there. You know, they do it. And, and even in our you know CI club, we bring in a local restaurant that, mm-hmm. that, that everybody knows, and it does very well. Like people, they're getting that flavor from there. So I do understand that, but it needs to go a lot farther. That's been actually been on the menu. It's, I'm going to take some of your go ideas it, and put them in, into fruition with, with some of the Concorso stuff because I think those are, those are good Just examples to put into Just leave my name on the guest into, list. It's all I have. You know, fruition. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It's always on the guest list. Sir. Yeah, You're at Exotics sure. at Broadway. We, we, that's, the, that's the one thing we com- compete with, Concorso and Exotics on Broadway, yeah. and it's tough to compete with them, but they do put on a good show. We know, we know a lot of yeah, those guys, yeah. you know, yeah, Amy Shepherdford and things yeah. like that. So. Great people. Yeah, good people. Yeah. Good well, people. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, if you want to come visit you, where do they go? Like, how should they get a hold of you? What's the proper technique uh, for see. coming to go to see you? Definitely our Instagram, Autoconduct, uh, or at Autoconduct. You can follow us there. Our website's going through a revamp, but autoconduct.com. Mm-hmm. Super simple. And, yeah, I mean, type in Autoconduct. You can definitely find us. But your invitation is just follow us on Instagram. That's our invitation. Uh, we'll push, we push everything through there. Uh, our meets, our, our gatherings, uh, whatever we do, we, we kind of let people know through that instrument because it seems to be the best uh, soapbox for now. So, yeah. Cool. I look forward to getting down there sometime oh, absolutely. and coming to one of your and meets. I think it's look, you know, yeah. something different and, and, and original, oh, which I really that. like. We'll, yeah. Look, we're open Monday through Friday, 10 to 3. You, if you want to just shoot us a DM saying, hey, I'm in the area, I want to swing by, absolutely. I'd love to show you. We can grab a taco up yeah. the road, whatever, like happy to take you through it. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Now you got us. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure, <laughs> I but then with you. tacos, we I'm got in. some great spots around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that you're doing something different. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I love that you're doing something I different. It. I really want to go check it out. Like yeah. I said, we, we, we've been around the car show scene for so long that. Uh, <laughs> we world. Yes. Yeah. That too. But also, like, 
yeah, we get yeah. sick of the same old, same old. It's it's so refreshing to hear anything different. So I love your I love your take on it, Thank and you. I wish Thank you all you. the best. I'm that. sure it sounds like you're doing great. So I hope to see oh, you grow. I, I hope we can. I, help I'm grow. looking forward to yeah. see more Avant's interactions. I love the members. I love the vibe you guys put out. I love the book, which is rad. Um, the fact that you guys are moving that kind of paper, I'm I'm jealous and so proud at the same time that there is an audience. So. It's it's so good. So I I'm, congratulate you guys too for keeping it rolling and growing and moving and it's it's awesome. So I appreciate it. And I got to say hi to my girls. So hi Senna. Thanks. Hi Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you for doing this uh, uh, for this episode of the Avance Podcast. As always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>